0: Matthew 9, verse 35. Welcome to Pursuit Church. And Jesus morning the podcast went throughout, throughout all the cities and villages. Teaching in their synagogues in and, and proclaiming, proclaiming the, the gospel go right of the, the kingdom. Message. Man, I just feel like I can priest now. Preaching or proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing, say healing, every disease and every affliction. Notice that the first three things that we see of Jesus doing Teaching, say teaching. teaching. Where was he teaching? In their synagogues. When you come to the house of God, we're here to teach you, to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's why the five-fold gifts are here. Pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, evangelist is for the equipping of the saints, meaning the sheep, the people, for the work of the ministry. So, For semantics today, let me help you. Every single one of us are ministers. Now, I'm a pastor, but you and me together are ministers of the gospel. Everywhere you go, you are ministering the gospel. And how do you minister the gospel? Through the way you live, through the way you talk, through the way you act, is a ministry of the gospel. And a lot of times, we are not coherent in times of work, in times of just relaxing, And we get casual, and we miss the the understanding that every moment of your life, you're ministering. Now, whether you're ministering the gospel or you're ministering something else, you are proclaiming something. Your life is speaking of something. And so as a church of God, 24-7, when I'm playing video games, when I'm hanging out with my friends, when I'm watching a movie, when I'm at a party... When I'm working, my life is being a minister of the gospel. Because ministry doesn't mean that I have to get my Bible open and start preaching at you and telling you that you're going to hell and you're wrong. No, it could be living your life from where you have been with God in your own intimate time. And that's the greatest way to be a minister of the gospel is what do you do right now in your intimate time with the Father? Because out of that place, oh, that's what will come out of your life, out of your words, out of what you do. So he says that he preached or he taught in the synagogues and he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of light. Meaning there's two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light being knowledge and understanding. The kingdom of darkness being ignorance ignorance go with me to ephesians chapter 4 I want to teach you something more quick go to verse 17 now this i say and testify in the lord this is paul speaking to the church of ephesus Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. In the futility, or live like heathens, in the perverseness, in the vanity, in the emptiness of their soul. That word vain, we know, means to be devoid of truth. Devoid of tro- truth, meaning they are living not truthfully unto God. And how do we not live in truth? We live according to our own truth rather than God's. And this is what he's saying. They're living like the Gentiles do in the futility, in the vain of their the vanity of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, understanding, alienated from the life of God because of what? The ignorance that is in them. Ignorance means to not know, to lack knowledge. Do what? To their hardness of heart. So why were they ignorant? Because of the hardness of their heart. Now, go to Matthew or Mark chapter 3. I know I'm taking you around, but a landing point's coming in a second. I just want to build something. Verse 1, again, he entered in the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So here you have Jesus in the synagogue, and here you have the Pharisees, the religious of that day. And they were waiting, because on the Sabbath, in their mind, and the way that they treated the Sabbath, You can't heal. You can't do any work. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, now he's asking asking the Pharisees this question, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And Jesus had a way of talking to people, didn't he? A while back, I mentioned this. That out of, I think it was 167 questions that the Pharisees asked Jesus, he only answered three or four times. And he actually answered back 300 questions to them. But they were silent and he looked around at them with anger. This is one of the only times where you see Jesus get angry. Why was he angry? He was grieved at their hardness of heart. Where does a hardness of heart come from? Ignorance. The Pharisees were ignorant to the things of God. They were so confident in what they knew to be true. Man, they knew the scriptures. They knew how to manipulate and use scriptures to their own benefit. We see them do that. We see many times Jesus correct them. But it was because... Of their ignorance, they had a hardness of heart. There may be some today that it is impossible for you to receive the things of God. Let me help you. That starts because of ignorance. It starts because what you perceive as truth maybe is not truth. If it goes against his word today, listen to me. If it goes against his word today, you have to make a decision. Are you going to refuse to believe that, to think like that? What does that mean? For some of you, it may be experiences that you have gone through in your life that have created a view and a perspective of life. And that's how you see God. And that might be the very thing that is stopping you from seeing God and experiencing God. Today, maybe you have done things contrary to his truth, or you are living a certain way right now, contrary to the truth of God's word, and you have made up in your mind that it's okay, that he'll be all right with it. He loves me. The reality is, yes, he does love you. He loves you so much that he's called you out of it. Where does truth come from? Truth comes from his word. Truth comes from his word. It says in Matthew 9 that Jesus taught. He taught in the synagogue. Why did Jesus have to teach? It's because they were ignorant, which caused a hardness of heart. The Pharisees couldn't get it. And there are many people that only followed Jesus because of the miracle signs and wonders that he did. Even when we see Jesus in John chapter 5 feed the 5,000, that they only followed him after that because they all wanted to fill their belly. And this is a lot of times what happens in the house of God with people in the house of God and church members. We just want to see God move, but we really don't want to give him our life. Because the moment when they start following him and he doesn't feed their belly, but he says, I am the bread of life. You have to partake of me. You have to eat of me. Oh, They're like, who's this guy? No way. Give us a sign. Prove it. Isn't that what they said? See, what what stops a harvest from happening? A ignorant mind or an ignorant heart, which leads to a hardness of heart. As I was praying this week, I saw that there was a spirit of ignorance on some people in here. And it's because of what you've experienced in life. And your experiences and your life choices have created within you ignorance to the things of God which therefore causes you to be hard or hardness of heart to his word this is why when you hear certain scriptures on certain topics that go against the world's way and the system of the world it's hard for you to grasp them and receive of them this is what we're seeing today where people will distort the truth for the sake of what they believe, and I don't even have to word things; you already know. But as a church, the very structure, the very fundamentals that or doctrine that we stand on, is comes from His Word, not from feeling, not from experience. See. Harvest will come, but it will come to those that yield their life to him. It will come to them that open their heart to God, that open their, heart, their, open their heart to God to receive the seed of God's word. We see that in Mark chapter 4, that even when it comes to one of the grounds, out of the four grounds, there was a stony ground that could not receive the seed. But there was one ground that could receive the seed and that would produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? Are you good ground today? Or are you stony ground? Maybe even the words that I'm saying today is falling on what we would say deaf ears. You can't receive it. Jesus back in Mark chapter 3, what did he do? He looked at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and he said to them, Or said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. Notice here that Jesus healed this man, that this man was restored. And even after they saw this man restored, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him, how to kill him. Their hardness of heart could not see a man just get restored. They were so worried about tradition and religion that they had to uphold that they couldn't rejoice with a man that was set free, that was healed. And how often do we as a church, when God wants to move, when God wants to have seasons of refreshment, season of restoration, we are so religious and caught up in our own traditions that we just like, oh man, church went on too long for me. Man, we've been worship for an hour. I got kickoff at 1 p.m. today. Got cricket. And we allow ourselves, because of our own hardness of heart and anger to the things of God, think a certain way, perceive God a certain way, and think that God's going to work within those parameters. He won't. God can only work in your life at the point of which you will lay down your life. Ephesians 4, back there. It says this, they have become callous. How many of you got calluses on your hands? On your fingers? Right there on the palm where you carry them. Maybe it's a bar for workout. Maybe it's just working outside. You got those calluses? This is what happens. They become callous. Why? Because they have given themselves up to sensuality. They've given themselves up to greed or greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned in Christ. This is why it's so important for the church to teach, to disciple, to train. This is what our pursuit's about on Sunday nights, is to teach you, is to train you, is to give you solid doctrine so that you can learn in the ways of Christ so that you won't be given up to sensuality, to greed, to every kind of impurity. And it says in 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Where is the truth found in? All right, so hold on. The truth is found in Jesus. Jesus, in John chapter 1, John referred to him as the what? The word. The word. God is giving you something right in front of your hand for some of you, maybe your phone or maybe on a paperback or a hardback hardback. It's called the Bible, the Holy Bible, God's word to you, the written word of God. Can I tell you right now that that is God-inspired? Yes, it was written by man, but it was God-inspired. And it is word and it is his word to you today, and how to live, and how to t- be trained and developed and mature and grow. So, if I walk contrary to his word or if I don't know his word, because that's what ignorance is, right? When I don't know something. My, my truth is vain. It's empty. It has no truth at all. I have to know his word. It says, verse 22, here you go. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So when it comes to ignorance, you can actually be renewed of that ignorance and walk into the light of God's word. But it comes through renewing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through what? Go there, Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. So do I weigh out my life with God by my experiences? No. By how I see things? No. No. But I went through through some things. I'm sure you did. We all do. But our response is not a fleshly response. It's a response in the spirit. But how do I respond to things in the spirit? Well, just like the Bible says, put off the old man, the corrupt man. Back to Ephesians 4. Put it off. Verse 22. Put off your old self. Meaning if you are a born-again Christian today with a new created spirit that happened through the day that you gave your heart to Jesus, which we call being born again or the new birth, guess what? His spirit dwells in you. Your nature is no longer dead, but it is alive. You have now been given an imperishable seed or incorruptible seed being Jesus Christ who lives inside of you. And it says put off the old self. And where do we put on? The new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What makes you righteous and holy today? Is it your good works? No. That's what the Pharisees thought. By what I do makes me holy, makes me righteous. No, it's through Christ Jesus that I am righteous. I have right standing with God and that I am holy. And because of those things, I walk holy. I walk righteous. I walk in a manner that is worthy to which God has called me unto. That's why I don't want to sin. That's why I don't want to walk away from God. That's why I don't want to go after my own direction and my own purpose and my own will in life. But I want to serve him with everything. This is why I'm faithful to the house of God. Even when it's inconvenient for me. This is why I minister to my friends. This is why I live above reproach. This is why I'm not allowing myself to be influenced by every person. By everything I watch on YouTube. By everything I hear on the podcast. No, I'm walking after God. I put on the new self. Therefore, as I do this, verse 25, having put away falsehood. Falsehood. Another translation says, lies. Lies. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is why spouses, husbands, wives, you don't go to bed if you're still angry at each other. Don't go to bed. Make it right. Because all that's going to do is just cause more anger. You're going to wake up in the morning not feeling much better. But some have gotten to the point where you still go to bed with an angry heart. And you just let it fester. And you just put it really down deep inside of you, right? At any given moment, you're ready to explode. I know. Verse 27. This is good. And give no opportunity. And give no opportunity. Give no opportunity to who? The devil. So I can give opportunity to the devil, it sounds like. The way I live my life, because this is what he's talking about, if I walk in the corrupt manner of my life, in the old me, well, I'm giving way or opportunity for Satan. But When I walk in the new nature, when I walk in the new creation created in Christ Jesus, when I put on Christ, I don't give an opportunity for the devil. Talking about harvest, we're talking about not being ignorant, we're talking about not having a hardness of heart that stops the harvest from happening. See, because when I am ignorant to the things of God, I won't labor. When I have a hardness of a heart towards God, I won't work for Him. I will do the bare minimum because this is what happens in relationships when I have a hardness of heart, or if I walk in ignorance to my wife or a husband to a wife, or a wife to a husband in the same manner, or in relationships with friends, I will do the bare minimum because I think I have that right. And we treat God this way. Well, I won't do anything, God, until you do something for me. The reality is God doesn't have to do anything more for you because he's already done everything for you. And just even in that thought in your mind, that's ignorance. He's done it all. See, we think that when I do something, God will do something back in return. No, when you do something according to his word, then you just appropriate what's already been given to you. Appropriates is a big word of saying you just get what he's already promised you because he can't take his promises back. He's faithful to what he promises. That's the goodness of our God. I don't give to get. I get because I... Give what? I give my life. I give everything. And it says this. I'm gonna kind of skip ahead a little bit because I want to get to chapter five on Ephesians. Let not, verse twenty nine. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only as such is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's so much there, but this is what I want to get to. Therefore, say, therefore, yeah. be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. This year of harvest, you're going to have to imitate God. And I can only imitate God when I know God. Look at Jesus. And look at the life he had. Look at Samuel. Look at David. Look at Abraham. Look at Moses. Look at Rebecca. Mary. I mean, we can go all throughout the Bible. Sarah. Be an imitator of God. What are you imitating today? Kids usually have a role model some a lot of times it's a sports athlete we live in a day and age where that's kind of changed now it's probably your favorite YouTube channel your favorite youtuber favorite social media influencer maybe it's a, an artist maybe it's an actor maybe it's someone that does has that has done something great in the world there's a role model. There's someone that you look up to, that you imitate your life after. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's an uncle, an aunt, whatever it may be. Maybe it's your pastor. The Bible says this, though. Imitate God. And The beauty of men of, men of God and women of God in your life, in the Bible, it gives you illustrations and example of how people walked in faith to encourage your faith. You probably know many people in your own life that you have seen walk in faith and have received God's promises because of where they walked and how they walked. Let this be an example for you in how to live. Imitate God. See, when it comes to the harvest, God is not looking for people that are fake, people that are not genuine, people that are not authentic. Authentic, that are real. He's looking for people that will imitate just like Jesus did. What did Jesus say in Matthew 9? I have compassion on these people. Matthew 9, verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Imitate God in the same way. Compassion. Compassion. That word compassion means to be moved in the inward parts, in your intestines, literally deep within you. It's so deep. This is the compassion that he had for his people. They were like sheep that were harassed, being tossed around, weren't cared for. It says a lot because there were people, men of God in that time. How true is it even in this day and age we live in that sheep, people, are harassed, are troubled because of a lack of compassion from the church, from the body, from the leadership, from pastors? We as a church have to allow ourselves to follow the example that Christ has left for us. And let me help you. You ready for the first thing it is? And it's the ultimate thing. Love. 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 One of the hardest things to do, but one of the simplest things that God has called us to do. Love fulfills all. One step out of love, the Bible says, is one step into sin. If I don't walk in love, how can God work in my life? He can't. Ready for verse 2? Ephesians 5 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And gave himself up for us. So there's your example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, who? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Here's your example. A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Notice that when you walk in love, it's going to be an offering unto God. It's going to be sacrifice to God. And I'm just following the example that Jesus has done before me. That's the beauty. Jesus said, after having compassion for the people, to pray to the Lord of the harvest. That the laborers are few, but pray to the Lord of the harvest, and he will send out laborers. See, our work is not done in vain, our work is not done in ignorance. Our work is cannot be done with a hardness of heart. You can preach, teach, lay hands on the sick and God not be involved in any of it. I've experienced it. I've seen it before. Where it's about self, it's about my ministry, my anointing. Man, I'm gifted, I'm grace, I'm the man of God. It's pride. It's ignorance. It's a hardness of heart. We can't get this way church. We have to allow ourselves to walk in compassion. Why do I pray so earnestly? Why do I preach? Why do I teach? This is the question we ask ourselves. Why do I have to proclaim the kingdom of God? Why do I got to lay hands on the sick? Why do I got to cast demons out? Why do I have to walk in a manner that God has called me to walk in? Love. Why am I here every Sunday morning? Why am I here on Sunday nights? Why am I here on Wednesday nights? Why do I minister to the person at my job? Love. That's the motive. That's the motive. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.